0: I Belong friends. Welcome to I Belong Voices. We are here to elevate the immigrant voices and share resources for a better life in the city of Philadelphia. We are I Belong members. Welcome to our eighth episode. Can you believe it? We already are in our eighth episode. and uh, We are super excited, of course, to share more time with you guys. Uh, building meaningful organizational culture is what is the topic for today. Um, thank you so much for listening. Hello so again, I am Margarita from Colombia. Proudly I Belong member, and today I have the honor to be your host. And also, I am here with five more of my I Belong members that you will know throughout this episode. Let me move forward and introduce our guest today, who is going to talk about um, what's a community organizer, organizational culture changing agent. Don is a very complicated tile, but we are gonna get to all of that. He's a community rela- relationship builder, and he's gonna talk to us about how is building meaningful orga- organizational culture is created. Danielle, welcome. The microphones are yours, and um, please, please talk yourself out because we wanna hear everything you have to share. <laughs>
1: Well, thank, thank you very much. I uh, I appreciate the the warm welcome. I appreciate the introduction. Um, as I said, I'm Daniel Aguirre. I'm, uh, I wear many hats. I'm a father. I'm a son. I'm a grandson. I'm um, a brother. Um, I'm a fierce friend. And um, I'm also an immigrant to this country. Something that I've been grappling with a little bit because I don't know what it means to be an immigrant from Mexico in a place like California, but here we are, right? (laughs) Um, Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Um, Gosh, what's a community organizer? (laughs) What's a community relationship builder? What are all these really complicated titles? I think at the end of the day, um, the work that I do is about relationships and not just between people, but between people and the work that they do, between people and um, their environment, uh, between people and and, uh, other organizations, and and just really examining relationships and, and working for those relationships to be inclusive in practice and equitable and whatever equity means for a given time and place and set of realities. And so I do this through a a company called Pueblo, uh, which means village. And uh, I work with organizations all around the country and help them change the culture of their organization to be inclusive in practice, to go beyond empty promises and to really go after meaningful transformational change. Um, And to also help them realize that when they want to do community engagement, um, help them realize that that's not something that starts outside of the organizational walls, but to help them realize that it's something that starts with the people who choose to work and volunteer at an organization. And they are the first community that you're accountable to. And we often lose sight of that. So that's just a little bit about my background. I'm also an avid soccer player, so there's that too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Danielle, I do have a question for you. Um, yeah. how how did you start this career path? What was the call? What was the <laughs> inside that said that that said this is what I'm gonna do with my life? Why did you choose this?
1: Um I don't know that I chose this (laughs) knowing everything that I know now, I don't know that I would choose it. Um, But uh, this for me started early on in community organizing and wanting to make a really meaningful change happen in the neighborhood that I grew up in. So I was born in Tijuana and then, um, which is Baja California, Mexico, we immigrated to Los Angeles, California, and we ended up in a place called San Diego, Um, and then even more honed in, it was San Isidro, and San Isidro is a border town, so it's Tijuana, the border, and then San Isidro, a place that was kind of like this in-between place. People coming from Mexico would travel through San Isidro and people going to Mexico would travel through San Isidro. And it was easy to lose sight that there were people there and there were communities there. And one of the things that um, uh, ha- was happening in my community growing up was our high school graduation rates were like in the low 20s. So education wasn't a big priority. Um, and I wanted to change that. Uh, as I became an adult I wanted to, to make sure that the that my people were getting all the opportunities that they deserved and so I set out to try to change that by starting an education focused collaboration that involved families and students and and parents and guardians and teachers and principals and community organizations and libraries and just everybody that would be willing to contribute to changing that statistic. And that was something like, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. And uh, that committee is still standing. Um, In fact, it's, uh, there are like 80 organizations that are part of it now. And that started with just me and a friend looking at each other across the table, like, how are we going to fix this? So that's really how I got into community organizing. Um, Many years after that, I had a um, I saw a, a job posting for a local science center and museum. And they wanted somebody like me who was embedded within communities and could help them become a community organization. And so I applied for the job and I didn't get it the first time. And then the person that did get it lasted about six months. And then they called me back and said, are you interested in this job? Because you made it really far last time, but we went in a different direction. So I went in and I talked to them and ultimately I landed here. And what I realized was that the organization was trying to become something it wasn't capable of being because they weren't ready to believe communities when they told them their truths. They weren't ready to elevate community priorities and set aside their own agenda. And so I leaned into something, you you all may have heard this statement, like you have to make space for others. Um, And in making space for others, it means, well, what it meant just in general, I thought was to make sure that, you know, all the voices are being heard and make sure that, You know everyone's included you know I I thought about it in those very sort of like general terms Um, but my last six months at that organization I spent it um, leaning into the practice of making space for others and then I realized what it actually meant in practice was for me was that I cannot I'm gonna leave this organization And I can't leave this organization and allow somebody else to come in and inherit all the same things that I was dealing with. And so my last six months with the organization, I said, I'm not going to pick my battles. Right now, today, I choose them all. So no matter how big or small, I'm going to fight all the battles. Um, So that's really how I got into changing organizational culture. I could see very clearly that that change wasn't going to happen from the top down um, or from the outside in. It was really going to take a a very concerted effort. So that's kind of in general.
2: (laughs) It's Monica from Colombia. How is building meaningful organizational culture created? I think it's... It's just complementing that all the yeah. things you have said.
1: Yeah, and and I appreciate that question because it is there is it is different, right? One of the the first part of it is just identifying the problems, right, and giving a name to the problems, and I think that that's how the the change starts. We often try to address the symptoms, um, but not the root cause. And we can't get to a root cause until we're able to give something a name. So for me, the organizational culture change starts with listening, not empty listening, but really effective, intentional listening, listening to your staff, listening to their stories, listening to the realities that they're navigating at all levels across the organization. That's where things start, just to get a a better understanding. None of that matters if you're not ready to believe your people when they tell you the realities that they're navigating. So that's always something that I hold leadership accountable to. So once we have a better understanding of the realities, we can start to name things, right? We can start to name that the reason this behavior is allowed to flourish in this environment is because there isn't anything preventing it from happening right so now we can say in order to prevent that we know that this is the name of the problem now we know how to solve that problem it can be a policy it can be a, a communication pathway it can be a number of things right it can be drawing a line in the sand and saying this is not acceptable at our organization it goes against our values um so that's how i think change starts to happen i think the work needs to be done at both ends of an organization so from the ground floor and from the top if there isn't that commitment from both levels then all that work in between is not going to be possible I also approach this work um, in a very tailored way because whatever you're navigating in Philadelphia might not be not might not make sense in El Paso right it might not make sense in California in San Diego where I'm at So it it really is about being responsive and and tailoring um, the approach based on the set of realities that each organization is navigating.
3: I think I am listening to a very good explanation on how. How (laughs) is very hard to explain. (laughs) How is the word, the the question word that make you talk more because it's, it's, a lot of steps for doing it, and you, um, you clearly as are telling us all the the steps that you are doing with us. Like what led you help out, help I belong Philly?
1: Yeah, well, I guess you know for for context for for the listening community, um, you know, a little while back, um, one of the members. Um, Chris, uh, she attended a a meeting that I was um, uh, presenting at a local meeting with a local museum. And I was proposing to them a an alignment strategy that was realistic to the situation that they were dealing with. Um, And at the same time as I'm presenting that, personally, I'm feeling a big hole in my heart because I don't have any connection in any of the contracts or the projects that I'm working on, any connection to my, to a community that I feel connected to, which is immigrant communities, regardless of where they may come from. We have a shared experience in being from somewhere else and being treated that way. Um, and so when Chris was telling me about uh, I belong I felt like the universe was aligning and saying here you go that
3: is that is amazing (laughs) yeah
1: you asked I asked and uh, the universe responded and I really deeply believe in the work that I belong is doing and there's some foundational stuff that it's easy to keep putting off to the side in favor of doing the the work, right? But that foundational stuff is like, when we talk about sustainability for an organization, how can we do this in a way that's sustainable? It's all that foundational stuff that people forget about or can't prioritize because you're just trying to advance the thing, the project, the engagement, the experience, the, the outing, the whatever, right? Events. Um, So I I really wanted to help I Belong with the foundation um, and making sure that um, I could listen to you all and identify some root causes that might be easier to address or need addressing. And so um, I've really... Really greatly appreciated the work that I that you've all entrusted me with.
3: We do appreciate more more what
1: you're
2: doing. like to hear uh sorry that you. that you say about the feeling that yeah. you you wanted to to be connected with something that uh, have the same feeling that has to be connected with the community. We are also immigrants. We belong to some somewhere else. And we like, we love, we have passion working with the community as you and especially working with immigrants and people as us that have been struggling, being, um, trying to feel the, the belonging to this place.
1: Yeah. And I think that a lot of times that word is lost on people when they're trying to talk about diversity when they try to talk about representation, they completely forget about belonging and how important it is to feel that you belong, to know that you belong, right? And so the work that you're all doing is, is incredible. It really is, it's very inspiring. And, and we were aligned in our values as well. And so that is, so like for me, the number one question that I have For every single one of the organizations that I'm going to work with or individual leaders that I'm going to mentor, I always make sure that we're aligned in our values. Are our heads and our hearts aimed in the same direction? Because if we're misaligned in our values, then I can't invest my time in something like that where I have to convince you to go towards somewhere that you said you wanted to go. If I have to convince you, then... I'm gonna end up dragging you, kicking and screaming. And so I have to take care of my own um, sanity and and I have to protect my peace, right? And yeah. I think that, that it's easy to forget about yourself in this work.
3: Yeah. Um, I'm, actually, yeah. actually um, I, I wanna um, just comment that um, you just described how life work.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs>
3: yes, it's just that Path that you get when you start um, a grown-up life and and saying okay, what I'm gonna do and and making those steps are what you just said <laughs> it's, 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 um is it applies for every every action that we do in life.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think that more and more um, businesses and organizations are starting to realize that, right? That like the idea of checking your baggage at the door, right? The idea, what that says to me is like, leave a part of yourself outside of this work. Don't show up as your whole self. Show up as the self that fits these boxes. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that more and more organizations are realizing that that way of thinking needs to die, right? Because we need to go from diversity to representation, to belonging. Uh, And I think that it it goes in that order, right? Like for most organizations, the, the entry point into the work is like, we need diversity, great. That's step one. Now, how do you make sure that you hold on to your people, and how do you make sure that um, they feel welcome? They feel that this is a place for them. That they are informing decisions. That they are feeling that they belong. Um,
0: uh, I, I just want to ask you, like, who uh, who is your inspiration or mentorship oh. in life?
1: Oh Dios mio! <laughs> um, thank you for that question. I really appreciate that. Um, I, uh, like, like, public figures that really inspire me are people like uh, Kimberly Crenshaw. Um, she coined the phrase or the word or the idea of intersectionality, and I and that was a term that was created, um, with the intention of showing to courts that Black women cannot be just looked at the same way as every other population. The challenges that they're navigating are very unique and complex. Um, but but then she gave permission, right, for that, for intersectionality to really, for somebody to take it and run with it in a way that they connected with them. And I needed that word so badly in my life uh, because I never felt like I'm just one thing. I felt like I'm all of these things and you can't ask me to just separate these things out. Like, when you want me, when you get me, you get all of these things. You get an immigrant, you get a father, you get a son, you get a grandson, you get all of the different things, right, that I am. So I really look up to her and I really look up to my parents. Um, I feel like I understand them in a different way now. Um, and thinking about the sacrifices that they made as immigrants to make sure that I didn't, um, that I could make my ancestors proud, that I can be my ancestors' wildest dreams. I saw that the other day and I said, I'm gonna try to be my ancestors' wildest dreams. So I really appreciate my parents. They um, did the best that they could. And I give a lot of credit to my mom for community organizing. She taught me from a very young age um, the the power of building relationships within a community to uplift each other.
2: So, yeah, oh, very inspiring <laughs> words. <laughs> Thank
3: you. Yeah. I have a doubt, uh, not a doubt, um, a question for you. So what is like the the toughest time you have had? working with,
2: with communities like us. I would well, like to complement that, that question. I think it's similar to the, yeah. uh, what do you think has been the more, most challenging topics to approach with your organizations and communities?
1: Yeah. Well, so like for, for I Belong, it's been a dream to work with you all. And I think that the, the, the challenge hasn't been on your side. The challenge has been on my side in that, um, my because I'm uh, working with you all uh, as a volunteer as well. Um, I it's it becomes really challenging to deprioritize other projects to be able to give you all my full focus and attention, and that has been for me the hardest part because I end up um, sort of feeling guilt right? And feeling like, ah, oh, they're not getting 100% of me right now. I, you're getting 100% of me whenever we're together, but when we leave the space together, it becomes really challenging to balance all of these things, right? And so that, for me, is sort of one of the hardest parts of, of the work that I've been doing with you all. It's None of it has to do with with you, <laughs> with any of you. It's been wonderful to work with you all. With other organizations, to Monica's question, it's the, the lack of investment that they make. Um, I hear this all the time and that people think about listening as something that's in the way or like a step that we have to go through, like an, like an ob- obligatory step. Um, and I believe that listening is action because it takes a lot of time to actually listen to what somebody is saying. And so to reduce listening to just one of the steps, I think that that's unfair. Um, And it doesn't quite represent the power of listening. And so I think a lot of organizations say things like, I want to, uh, we have to listen to understand. And I think that's important, but that's skipping a major step, which is first you have to understand how to listen, uh, so that you can listen to understand, and and what does effective listening look like? Are you ready? Again, I go back to that earlier point, right? And this is the biggest struggle that I have, Monica, is that organizational leaders are typically not prepared to believe their staff, especially staff of color, who are who are sharing that we are not experiencing this organization the same way as everybody else um we're having a very different experience of this organization and just because we're all in the same environment doesn't we are, doesn't mean we're all operating under the same conditions uh, so th- that to me is the hardest part of the work is getting leadership to realize that the other hard part is that sometimes there are people who believe they are beyond learning and growth Yeah and they think that they're more advanced than they actually are and i hate to talk about things in terms of like advanced or remedial i don't know what the opposite of advanced would be uh behind (laughs) Um, but but that's the thing right it's like these organizational leaders um oftentimes think that they're so much further advanced that their understanding of inclusive practice is so much further advanced that they don't need to grow, they don't need to do anything else. And that to me is the biggest pain in the ass, <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> yeah. it's like pulling I teeth.
0: <laughs> Danielle, thank you again for this time, for always make time for I Belong, for sharing all this wonderful information, for being such a great community leader. We know that you are out there doing your best to change the world and um, I think what I take away from these um conversation with you today is that the work start with us right with me with Margarita with Lady with Monica and then we go from there um we start spreading whatever we work with us um you know personal development it seems like you are huge on that and I definitely appreciate that you bring that insight because when we go it out in the work field, we give it out for others because that's what we had learned in, you know, in the past or in the obsolete uh, points of view of how community com- um, organization works. But people like you bring in this fresh insight of working on us first to be the best we can be for the organization and for us first, definitely is something that I'm taking away from this conversation. And we truly appreciate all the work you do for I Belong. And um, thank you, thank you so much. Monica and Lady, would you guys wanna add something to, to close this conversation today?
2: No, I, I just would like to say thank you, Daniel, for all your support in our aligning process. Thanks a lot for all your work and your contributions to I Belong Philly. Really.
3: Thank you. Thank you, Daniel. I, um, we are grateful for finding you. Thank you for Christina to find you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm grateful that she found me too. Yeah. I'm, I'm lucky to be able to work with you all and, and I appreciate, again, I appreciate you trusting me with, with this very important work that you all do.
3: Thank you.
0: Thank you so much all for sharing your time with us today. Thank you so much, Daniel, for that interesting conversation. We are definitely living with a lot of food for thought. Thank you so much, Avalon friends, uh, members, and everybody that is tuning in with us. If you would like to share this podcast, we would love to get this message out there. So please support us. And of course, if you want to participate, we are opening the microphones to you. Um, write us an email, ibelongphilly at gmail.com. I repeat, ibelongphilly at gmail.com, send us an email and we can definitely open the conversation with you. Have a great one, everybody. Hola, my name is Maria Eugenia Gonzalez from Venezuela. Proudly, I belong member, a co-founder. We arrive at the end of the first season of I Voices. We would like to say thank you for being part of this adventure. It was a pleasure to create this season for you where we share great immigrant stories and resources to have a better life in our city. We look forward to the second season in the coming month. Keep in tune. Thank you. Okay, one more time.
1: Me encanta la energía. <laughs> <¿Sí>? <laughs> Tú dale, amiga, con confianza, Tómate tu tiempo.
0: <laughs> de que, ah, se están burlando de mí y está. Y estoy como... Oh, Margarita tiene una voz serísima. <laughs> Get out of my way. <laughs> All right,
3: ready.